0: but I'm so glad to be here. You look great this morning. I want you to tell your neighbor that you look good this morning. It's so proud of you. Hey, well done. This is the last Sunday of 2023. Isn't that crazy? Is today the 31st? This is a, you guys ready for your mind to be blown? Today's date is one, two, three, one, two, three. Is that right? One, two, three, one, two, three. So I don't know what that means, but excited to see it on social media this morning. Like, maybe today's going to be special. Um, But man, I'm so glad to see. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Mark, and uh, I am uh, Pastor Ken and Connie's favorite child, Uh, natural or or adopted uh, through marriage. Uh, But I'm so honored to be here today and excited to see all of you. I love Idaho. I just got back. We were in McCall this week. Who loves McCall, Idaho? Anybody love McCall? Wasn't much snow up there right now. I'm praying for some snow. Uh, But there is 10 months of winter up there and then two months of bad sledding. It's a tough crowd this morning, but we'll get you warmed up. Uh, I'm so pumped to be here. Uh, Love coming home for Christmas and love my family so much. I just think, I think Capital, you guys have some of the best people in the whole world that work here at this church. And honestly, it starts with Pastor Ken and Connie. Can we get Pastor Ken and Connie founding pastors? Huge hand clap. Pastor Chris, Pastor Kelly, Pastor Chris was my mentor. He's my brother-in-law. He is eight years older, you know. So obviously he's up there, you know. Um, but I've been looking up to you uh, since I was a young 18-year-old moving up here and married his sister, you know, a few years later. And, you know, really we got married after I lifted the restraining order. Uh, Rochelle was stalking me. And... Uh, <laughs> It's fun to have the microphone, right? I just make stuff up. Uh, But no, uh, it's probably the other way around. I'm excited to be here today though. I do believe that God has a great plan and purpose for this church. Isn't it amazing you're sitting in a 40-year-old church? That's a huge accomplishment. You know, there's a lot of churches that started in the 70s and the 80s that aren't here anymore. And this church has stood the test of time, made it through the Great Recession, somehow navigated through the apocalypse of 2020. Who remembers Armageddon, anybody? We're still recovering, right? It's a traumatic year. And uh, I didn't even like saying 2022, because it sounded like I was saying 2020 again. Is it? Yeah. It's an old joke, I I, I haven't said it in a while. Forgot the (laughs) punchline. All right, well. Hey, uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna open this up and keep me on track this morning. Get you your Bibles today. I'm excited to share God's Word. I do believe the Bible speaks today still. I want you to know that what makes Jesus different than every other religion in the world is He is the only God that's still speaking. You wouldn't know by that response, but He's the only God that still speaks. You hear, You hear voices. I hear a voice. By the way, I would tell you any preacher that tells you you can't hear God speak is lying to you. If a preacher ever says God doesn't speak anymore, I want you to ask him one question, then who called you into the ministry? We serve a God that speaks. He made everything that we see with what we can't see through his words. Bible says that what we see is temporary. It's what we can't see that's eternal. And I just feel like this year is going to be so full of purpose. This next 12 months, I have such high expectations for 2024. This year was special for us at our church. We, uh, we turned five years old. Isn't that amazing? I've been gone for five years. And um, appreciate the clap. My mom's in the back clapping for us. Always going to be one faithful clapper here today. But uh, five years we've been gone, and this year, I, I think I told you guys in the summer, but it was really special. I don't know if you know this, but in Orange County, this year, our church and Greg Laurie's church hosted the two largest water baptisms in American history. And it happened two months apart. And um, this, this next year, we're gonna go from baptized Southern California, which we baptized 4,200 people, that we're actually going to do baptize California. It's going to be listen before you tune out. You're like, "What's well, California? I don't really care about." It. California's going to fall into the ocean. Well, it is Ocean's Church. Um, that's fine. But I do. I want you to know that 2024 Pentecost Sunday, we're going to unite the Church of California. There's 58 counties in our state. There's over 39 million people in California, and um, you know, I guess 30 of them are in Idaho now but still 39 million people in in California. And what we know is there's 58 counties and we're believing that every county's gonna have a church that's hosting a mass water baptism. We're believing that on Pentecost Sunday this next year, that we're gonna see the largest synchronized baptism in world history. We're believing for 30,000 people to get baptized in one day. And it's going to go from the top of the state to the bottom of the state. And then after 2024 and 2025, this is going to sound crazy, we're doing Baptize America. And we're believing that every state, we're going to make water baptisms great again. Who wants to see water baptisms great again? And uh, it's going to be happening here at this church. We, this is exciting though, this, ne, this next year in California, we already have seven of the biggest churches in the, in the state that are gonna be hosting a water baptism location. Some of them have 10,000 seat auditoriums and they're bringing swimming pools into the front of the church and they're gonna be just thousands of people getting baptized. Why do you care about baptism? Because John the Baptist prepared the earth for Jesus' first coming through a message of repentance and water baptism. And could it be that before Jesus comes again, there would be another worldwide global water baptism movement? So 2025, we're going to do Baptize America. And then 2026, we call me crazy, but we have the domain for Baptize Europe, Baptize Africa, Baptize South America. Who believes that God can see a baptism movement hit the world? (laughs) Sounds crazy. It always does until somebody does it. And here's what I believe, if God can do it in Southern California, he can do it anywhere in California. And if God could do it in California, he can do it in any other state. And if God would do it in America, what country would he not do it in? So I'm of the persuasion that we are getting ready for something great. And if you believe it, shout a good amen. So today I wanna to talk to you about getting prepared. I wanna to talk to you about living on purpose. Someone say on purpose. If you're at first service, I'm switching it up because I get bored myself when I preach the same message. So I'm going to preach this a little bit differently today. But I want to look at this because I really felt like God put a burden on my heart for our church and for the church, including this one. There's many people that are living, but they're living like, like cars that are on with no one behind the wheel. And people that are alive, but you're not alive to the purpose of God for your life. And I would say that some of you are sucking oxygen, you've been alive for five or six decades, but you've never lived one day on God purpose. Yeah. I believe it's possible that you could actually be passionate for life and miss heaven. There's people that are passionate for social justice that'll miss heaven. Passionate about racial equity that'll miss heaven. People that feed the hungry and clothe the naked that'll miss heaven. The Bible says there's even people that are zealous for God, but they don't have the right knowledge of God, that miss heaven, Romans 10. And I wanna tell you today that I believe that we gotta be zealous for God, but at the same time, we gotta make sure we're zealous for the right things. There's many people that don't live on purpose. They're just existing, paying their bills, paying their taxes, taking care of their kids, raising their babies, trying to retire. And it's like, wait, 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 we're all at some point gonna enter into eternity and many people have never lived a day of their life for eternity they've only lived for this earth and I'm not I know that's not this church but I came to give you a message today that in 2024 we're not gonna live on accident we're gonna live on purpose Joseph in the Bible not not Jesus earthly father Genesis chapter 40 uh, chapter 41 is what I'm gonna read this morning Joseph is a, a child that was raised in a dysfunctional family. He had a bunch of half-siblings. He was actually the first son from his mom and his dad's marriage. His dad was an old dad. He was actually an Orange County parent. <laughs> Joke lands a little harder in California. But has Joseph and Benjamin at the end of his life. So because he's old and probably less stressed out about money and work and life, Benjamin and Joseph get lots of attention, way more than the other boys. It was his high school sweetheart. It was the one that he wanted to marry. He married Leah, but he was in love with Rachel. And it says that at the uh, point of 17 years of age, Joseph gets this God dream. God would speak to him two times, give him two dreams, and the wild part of the dreams were, is he saw the future, and I think sometimes God will give us a glimpse of the future, but when we're spiritually immature, we'll interpret it a wrong way. And that's exactly what happened to Joseph, as he saw the future, but he thought the future was about him. He didn't realize that God was raising him up for the world. You see, sometimes we want God to raise us up for the world to worship us, but God doesn't realize, God, God wants us to realize that God will raise us up to be a blessing to the world. You see, it's not power to the people, it's power for the people. And God raises up this 17-year-old that comes from a dysfunctional family. His brothers hate him so much, they're so jealous of him, that they took his coat of many colors. And I want you to know that life can steal your coat, but it can't steal your character. That's what the brothers tried to do. They tried to steal Joseph's life, his favor, and his character, but little did they know that they could take off his coat, but God would give him a new coat one day. This coat would be put on him by the king of the whole world. And here's what we know in the story is Joseph at 17, he has a great dream of great purpose, and then he goes through 13 long years of hell, sold into slavery. He's a slave to the general of all of Egypt named Potiphar. He's accused of rape after he's doing a great job of his boss's wife, thrown into a political dungeon in the king's palace. And we know that after a couple of years in the king's dungeon, he interprets a couple other dreams, a butler and a baker. And it says after he interpreted those dreams, he said, hey, when you get out of here, remember me. And can you believe these jokers? They forgot about him. The one guy that lived forgot about him. Two long years later, you know why I think personally God God, God waited two more years? Is because even after all of those years of preparation, Joseph was still trying to promote himself. And God will always wait until you're dead to your own promotion to elevate you. Some of you are boosting your own posts and liking your own comments and trying to endorse your own brand. And you don't realize that promotion comes from God. God knows where to find you when you're ready. And if God isn't elevating you, it might not be time yet. I love the great Prince of Preachers, the true Prince of Preachers, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that the saddest thing in life is to become successful before you're ready. And I actually believe that God wants to get you ready for your purpose. You ready to go? So I'm gonna read this passage, but it's basically on on the backdrop of a 13 year window of tragedy, trials. By the way, I'm sorry to tell you, I did a deep study. The only thing that produces perseverance is trials. I was hoping there was another road. I studied long and hard. But the Bible says that when you actually develop perseverance, God can raise you up to entrust power to you. I love Dallas Willard, he says that one of God's hardest jobs is finding human beings he can trust with his power. The Problem with most of us is when God gives us his power, it ruins our life. And it ruins our life because we don't have the character to carry the power. God spends, thir- are you with me today? He spends 13 years developing a guy to carry a purpose that would change the world. I feel like I spent 17 years in Idaho, God just working on my character. Last five years just working on my character. Can I trust you, Mark? Can I trust you, Rochelle? It's like, yeah, Rochelle's good trustworthy. She's related to Gabriel and Michael. <laughs> but can I trust you, Mark? And I just believe that if God, if we would allow God to pull out the, the, the imperfections in us, a lot of people have, I call it dirty fuel. Dirty fuel is when you're trying to get somewhere, but you're trying to get there by a gas that's not healthy. Yeah. It's not a Taco Bell joke. Come on, stay with me. Dirty gas is when you try to get something that God wants for you, but you do it a selfish way. You do it a corrupt way. Are you hearing me today? And so it says, after this, he's in a dungeon, he interprets the dreams, and then after two more years, our or, or, or Pharaoh has this crazy dream, and all of the religious elite all the psychics, all the mediums, no one knows what it means. And I would go on the record today to say that we live in a world today that has dreams that come from God and they're sad because they don't know what they mean. God is the only one that gives definition to his dreams. And if you don't know what God's dream is for your life, you'll be like Pharaoh the butler and the baker. You'll be sad because you have a dream but you don't know what it means. God is the one that brings meaning to dreams. I feel like preaching today a little bit today. I gonna read the Bible at some point. But it picks up two years later. Potiphar says, is there anyone that can interpret my dream? So they go, oh my gosh. His servant goes, there's a guy in prison in the slammer. We got tattoos together. <laughs> Kidding. And they, and he goes, Bring him out. And the the Bible has the audacity in chapter 41, verse 16 that he says, they brought him out of the dungeon quickly. How would you say quickly after 13 slow years? But I want you to know that when God knows you're ready, he'll promote you suddenly. Suddenly. Where did that church, where did that guy, where did that girl, where did that business come from? It was suddenly. And I think many times God loves us too much to give us too much too soon. Great parents don't give their kids fast cars until they learn how to drive with slow ones. (laughs) So, he comes out, he interprets Pharaoh's dream and he's so ready. You know, I believe God's looking for a generation that would honor the older generation. You don't know, know about those that honor the older generation? Is Joseph, we know he honored the older generation because he knew about famines because his grandfather Isaac, he went through a famine in Genesis chapter 26. He sowed in the land of famine and he reaped a hundredfold return. He knew the stories of grandpa's famine, so he knew how to steward his famine. He knew the story of his great grandfather Abraham. Great grandpa Abraham got rich in Egypt in a famine. And I believe that we'll learn from the previous generations, we'll actually win in ways that they did not win. How do you know? Because jo- Joshua learned from, from Moses. You know what Moses' mistake was? He sent 12 spies in and only two had a good report. You know what Joshua did when he spied out the land? He didn't send 12, he sent And here's the revelation God gave me this year that if Joshua didn't honor the generation before and learn from their mistakes, he would have redone what Moses did, he would have sent 12. And here's the revelation, Rahab couldn't have hidden 12 spies. She could only hide two spies. And can you imagine if he would have sent 12, didn't honor and learn from the previous generation? and all of a sudden, they find the 12 hiding in the room, and all of a sudden, the outcome is totally different because 12 spies get murdered, report gets back to Israel, they get discouraged, they flee back to Egypt. Different generation would have been raised up. God is looking for a generation that will honor those that have gone before us, learn from the wisdom of their famines. And if we will learn from those that have gone before us in their famines, We'll solve the famines of our day. He stands before the king and he says, I don't just know what your dream means, I know the solution. Because I believe that real Christian maturity is not identifying a problem. Anyone can point out a problem. I'm mature because I wrote a negative review. You're not mature. By the way, we have too many social media cockroaches. By the way, if you leave a negative review to a church, you're probably not going to heaven. I'll just say it for Jesus. One-star review, no parking. You're going to hell. If that offends you, you can email me at Joel King at myspace. Send it there. But hear me today. God positions him and he stands before Pharaoh and he says this, uh, this is what it means this is what you should do. Because maturity is not seeing a problem, it's asking God, what is the solution? There's a weird thing about being a Christian, we bring the burdens of the people around us to God and we bring the answers of God back to the people. So to the people, we represent God and to God, we we represent our people. And it says he stood and told them, in verse 37 of chapter 41, longest introduction in history, My introduction was longer than Pastor Chris Christmas message. Come on, that was a good message though. I listened to it. So the advice was good. Verse 37, chapter 41, to Pharaoh. It was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and all of his servants. Even the atheists were like, that's good advice. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find anyone in this kingdom like this guy? Someone that has the spirit of God living inside of him?" Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. My people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt, all of it. Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and he took off, come on, he got a garment a jacket, he got a coat of redemption. You see, the devil might try to steal something in the beginning of your life that God can redeem in the end of your life. He got some fine linen, put a gold chain on him. It was one chain, not two chains, a wrapper. And he had him ride in the second chariot that'd be modern, modern day Air Force Two. And he cried out before him, bowed the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. Couple more verses. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without your consent, no man will lift his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. Last verse. It says, and Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphna-paniah. Someone say Zaphna-paniah. It's fun to say, it's like saying Francisco. He gave him a wife, you can say her name, the daughter of you can say his name, the priest of On. (laughs) Not to be mistaken with the priest of Off. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt and he ruled. I wanna pray this morning. I wanna talk to you about living on purpose, on purpose. Father, we thank you today that you love every single human being in this room and those that even aren't in this room. I'm asking Holy Spirit, not just for a church service today or just normal business as usual moment, but I pray even as the date is a once in a lifetime date, we ask you that today would be a once in a lifetime type of service. I prayed last night, I said, Lord, if there's any Mark Francie's in the room tomorrow, get a hold of them. If there's any Rochelle Wild's in the room, get a hold of them. If there's future Nate and Sonny Argon's that are, you're gonna call into the ministry, if there's future Tracy Paces, or there's future Kristen Kelly Wild's in the room, if there's Ken and Connie's that might be 16 years old, get a hold of them today. We invite you, spirit of God to do what you do best, speak. We honor you in Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said a good old-fashioned. Amen. It's funny when you get to, I, did I say I turned 40 last week, a couple weeks ago? I didn't say that yet, did I? I turned 40. You're like, why are you dressed up? That's my birthday suit. <laughs> it's rough, man. I was thinking about, you know, there's 8.1 billion people on the earth. It's kind of, kind of crazy to think about, but you get to a later age in life. I'm, I'm 40 now, so I feel like I'm, you know, I'm just really wise. <laughs> Getting older. Um, but I was thinking about just certain things that don't make sense in life. Uh, one of them being people that say this phrase don't take this the wrong way. That phrase has never worked. That phrase is always taken the wrong way. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. This is wild. I was thinking about all these things in life that really don't make sense. You start contemplating life. Like one of the things is, I I got a membership to the gym almost a year ago in January. It's been 12 months since I got my gym membership. There's really been no progress. I'm actually gonna go there in person tomorrow and see what's going on. (laughs) It's wild that the older you get, your childhood punishment becomes your adult rewards. You're going to bed early tonight. You're not leaving this house. (laughs) No, you can't go to the party. It's funny. One of my favorite comedians says in your 20s, your friends call you and say, hey, we're going out tonight. And you'll just say, without even asking where, I'm in. Like, I'll sell my house, move across the country, live out of a suitcase for six months, I'm in. But then you turn 30 and you start asking questions like, where are we going? What time is it over? I'm driving my own car. (laughs) And then you get to your 40s and you're insulted that anyone would invite you. It's weird how life has a progressive way of changing. It's wild, I just, I think about all these things that, you know, I never really thought about before. Like how all women are really actually bodybuilders. All pregnant women are bodybuilders. Okay, <laughs> that one didn't land as well as I was hoping. <laughs> Chris and I used to always have these conversations like what would you rather do? Who's ever played that game? Would you rather, you know, like, like shark or a, a lion or a bear, your scenario. And I was thinking even this week with Chris, I was like, man, a shark could swim faster me, but I could actually outrun it. So in a triathlon, it's going to come down to who's the better cyclist. I, uh, I was praying, honestly, on a serious note, and I was thinking about how so many times in life we do things sometimes accidentally and we take credit for it. I don't know what it is for you, I, I've, I've done this. My uncle was teaching me a card game the first time we went out and played cards uh, for, th- for Thanksgiving week. And I remember like the first three rounds, um, he's like a professional at this sport, this game. And the first three times we played, I beat him. And I just did it on accident. He took me to a bowling alley the same week. I'm not a good, I wasn't a good bowler at the time. And I bowled in almost 200, which was like the best score I've ever had, but like three times. <laughs> And I just remember bowling, and it was like everything was just going in. It was like everything was going, knocking all the pins down. And I remember the next day, we went back to the same bowling alley, and I just, I had like the worst score ever. It was back in like this, I think somewhere around my age. Come on. And it was wild, but what happened accidentally uh, didn't continue to happen accidentally and I don't know why, but I was even praying between the services because I shared something a little bit different last service, but I felt the heart of God in first service basically trying to communicate this idea that God does not make accidents. God does not make human beings that are void of purpose. I think the saddest thing you can do is live a full life and never live on God's purpose. I think the saddest thing to happen is to live a life, get the end of it, and you look back, and you're like, I did not live for the purpose that God wired me to live for. Here's what I believe. Everyone has purpose. 8.1 billion human beings on the earth. Here's the goofiest thing. None of us have the same prince. Isn't that weird? You ever thought about that? I don't know if you realize how many human beings that is. That's a lot of human beings. Do you know that there's 5 billion human beings that don't know who Jesus Christ is? They don't know, five billion out of the 8.1. To contextualize that the earth, I think it's around 23, 5,000 miles around, 24,000 miles around. You ever been to Disneyland? Who's been at yeah. the adult, yeah. the kids DMV? you <laughs> has been there? So you go to this amusement park, you stand in line, And there's lines that are two hours, lines that are three hours. To equate the population of the earth that doesn't know Jesus, just five billion, that would be a line that would go around the earth 24,000 miles circumference, not one time, not two times. That line would wrap around the earth's equator 36 times. That's how many people. That's five out of 8.1 billion. So again, let's, let's say it over again. 8.1 billion do not have the same fingerprints. Why would God go through all of the hassle? And there's certainly people that look alike. Like I thought Joel King was playing the keys again today, right? <laughs> there's people that look similar. But the truth is, none of us have the same fingerprints. So like police officers, CSI, we're going to dust the place for prints. I had this uh, revelation a couple years ago that if you don't live on God's purpose, what'll happen is, is when God goes back and does a forensic study of the earth in the 70 years or the 60 years you were on the planet, and he dusts the earth for your fingerprints of what you did with your life, will there be any prints on the kingdom of God? I think some people, all their prints will be on is their hobbies, All their prints will be on is their family. All their prints will be on is their money. Are you hearing me today? And I think some people are gonna be dreadfully surprised in eternity when God says, well, you made it, but this is what your reward is. Because I want to remind you, we're not going to a communistic heaven. It's not equal rewards in heaven. What you believe determines where you spend eternity, but how you live your life determines how you're celebrated and you're rewarded in eternity. And I don't want to army crawl in the back door. Can I get a witness? I don't want to shamefully walk in and go, I spent all of my free time mountain climbing, skiing, vacationing. I spent all of my time entertaining myself to death. Who's in heaven because of your life? Well, it's going to get quiet up in the Presbyterian church because we lose our minds for sports, but we have no enthusiasm or zeal for God. Why would you paint your chest, refinance your house to go to a game in January called the Super Bowl, but you wouldn't give $20 to your local church? I'm, I'm not trying to be rude today, but I would actually, I would dare to say some people are believing a lie that they would go, Mark, I would die if, if, the, if, if Joe Biden said, deny my, my faith in Jesus Christ or we're gonna kill you. I would die before I denied Jesus. And I'm like, no you wouldn't. You can tell yourself that, but you don't even prioritize the house of God. You don't have enough faith to tithe You're going to take a bullet to your forehead? Is this too strong today? I just think sometimes we're so passive and we're like, no, you should lose your voice at a Boise State game, but you should be ready to sleep on Sunday mornings. Why would we expect excitement in one place with entertainment and celebrate a God that can heal our body, restore our marriage, get a hold of our prodigal son, and show up annoying myself up here. Joseph, uh, Joseph lived on purpose. Here's what I know. Purpose is connected to God's dream for your life. Let me give a couple notes here today. God has a personal dream for you that is connected to his global dream for creation. Yes. Write that down. There is a personal dream. What does that mean? Does that mean that have to be a preacher, pastor? No, it does not. It means that you're supposed to preach if you're a police officer. It means that whether you work at a church or not, you're living for a divine purpose. It means if you're a CPA, you're representing Jesus Christ. If you're selling cars, you're not a crook. You're representing Jesus Christ. If you're doing home loans, are you hearing me? If you're a nurse, if you're a veterinarian, if you're a lawyer, you're representing, come on, somebody. That when people meet you, Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, said that our life should make atheists question their disbelief. Is there something in you? Is it crazy that a godless pharaoh looked at a Jewish guy locked up for 13 years and said, your name is Zaphna Paneah, which means God lives and God speaks. What would Babylon name you if they had a, a chance to name you? Would they name you God's boring and God's not worthy of your best? Or would they look at your life and the way that you live your life and say, God lives? God speaks. You know what I think God is looking to do with all of his church, like Joseph, is to prepare us for his power that end famines. You know what he did is he spent 30 to 37 years of age stewarding the greatest success anyone has ever seen. He was so wealthy that not only did he make Pharaoh rich in gold, it says when the money currency, it was exhausted they started giving him all of their animals. And when the animals was exhausted and that was gone, they actually gave him their houses and their land. Pharaoh, because of Joseph's wisdom, was the richest king ever. Joseph, or excuse me, Solomon had the most gold, but but Pharaoh, under Joseph's reign, would have had the most real estate. Are you with me today? So what are you saying, preacher? Well, here's what I know. The first thing that why most human beings that I've met do not live on God purpose is because they don't realize that purpose comes from the presence of God. You write it down. First point today. I'm going to give you a couple points. You ready? How do you live on purpose? Well, I believe that purpose comes from the manufacturer. No one can define the purpose of something better than the one that invented it. That's why we're living in this weird, goofy world, spiritual famine right now, that we're trying to rename things. Sorry, you can't rename a bass guitar a piano. I don't care if everybody else does it, just because a billion people say the wrong thing doesn't make it right. I feel like calling the piano a pulpit. It just feels better to me. I wanna identify as a pulpit. Well, the problem is, is you didn't didn't invent the piano. You didn't invent the pulpit. So you can lie to yourself, but the truth is, whoever made it can name it. Yes. I feel like preaching a little bit in who they. That's the assault right now. What's going on in the world is we wanna rename things that we didn't make. We don't have that authority. And I've learned this, never let someone name you that doesn't love you and know you. God knows you best, loves you most. Can I get an amen? Yes. And what God does is he actually has the power because Honda knows the meaning of a Honda Accord or Civic better than anybody else because they manufactured that thing. So much so that when you buy a vehicle, they'll say, hey, here is the ideal settings of how this thing is to operate. Oil change, every so many miles. Tire rotation, every so many miles. Belts change, are you me today? How would they be so audacious to tell me how to treat this car? because they made it. And when you make something, you can tell somebody how it works. We got human beings that are broken and they're mad at God, shaking their fists, blaming God for for their own negligence. You ruined your life and then gave God credit for it. It's always funny to me when atheists give God credit for when things go bad, but never give him credit for when things go good. You got a promotion, that was me. Got a ticket, that was God. Anyways, I want you to write this down. It says he had a dream and in the dream God showed him. I believe that dreams, Acts chapter two, it says that these, these men, that, 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 that Peter preached on the streets, and he said that when the spirit of God is poured, out, this is Joel, this is Joel chapter two, that your old man will dream dreams, your young men will have visions, that when the spirit of God is poured out into the people of God, they get vision. Proverbs 29 says that without vision, men, most people commit suicide, not because they have a health problem, but because they have a lack of vision. They stop believing that there's better days ahead which is a lie because there's always hope in the future if God's in it with you. Where does vision come from? Well, purpose and vision come from God. So it's really hard. It's kind of like, man, I wanna get pregnant, but I've only been with my husband on FaceTime. Which, by the way, that's why I'm not a big advocate of just having a church online. You can't get pregnant on FaceTime. Come on, somebody, I feel like preaching up in this place, making someone awkward today. There is an intimacy that occurs when you actually have a firsthand personal account. And there's some of you today that you're like, Mark, I don't have purpose because you've never valued the presence. Until you honor the presence of God, you won't get the person of God. It's something about honoring him. You ever, you ever walked into someone's house or you walked into an office and everyone there did not want you there? You ever felt that before? I mean, me, I've never really, you know, <laughs> kidding. You walk in and like, I don't know if I'm wanted here. You know know what your first response is when you walk into a room and everyone's cold to you? And you're like, I'll take this blessing somewhere else. (laughs) That was funny. It just came to me right there. You'll leave. You know why? Because there's no honor. Do you know why some of you have never had a word from God, moment with God? It's because there's never been an honor in your heart that goes, God, if you are real, you're amazing if you did make me and you made everything that I see and all the varieties of flowers and all the variety of dolphins and you create all the oceans and the mountains and the galaxies and if this is real and again I'm not there's nothing wrong with doubting I think most of us started in doubt but at some point you have to acknowledge if this is what God says it is there's something to be honored in God But some of you, you're like, even if God was real, I wouldn't worship him. And here's your problem is, it's not not the reality or existence of God, it's your offense towards something that's happened in your life. I've said this before here, I think, but I would reiterate that most people that are atheists aren't an atheist because of scientific data. It's usually because of something in their life that was so painful, they didn't know how to deal with it except blaming somebody else. Too real today in, in Idaho? I actually think that God wants us to live on purpose, but it starts with this idea that God, vision comes from your presence. So here's the practical handlebar to this point. How do you get a purpose from God? You ask him for it. You ever thought about that? God, whatever you made me for is what I wanna live my life for. But you know most of us do is we think that God has some second-class calling. That, well, if I, if I said that to God, he's gonna make me be a missionary to some country I don't wanna live in and marry some chick that's not attractive. Come on. <laughs> we start freaking out like God's best for us would be less than what we figure out. You know, because we're so smart. Isn't it wild to think if God is who he says he is, don't you think that he would know what would satisfy you in 30 years? You're figuring things out right now in your 20s. You're like, look, I think I got it all figured out. i 21. To that, all the old people would laugh. Because you're like, dude, you have no idea who you're, you're, you're gonna, even who you marry at 21 is gonna be different at 31. And that 31-year-old woman is gonna be different at 41. And that 51-year-old guy is gonna be different at 71. Do you know what we do is we evolve as human beings. You know who does not evolve? God. You wanna know why God does not evolve? Because change would mean that you can improve. God can't do that. God can't get better, because to get better would mean to get a new thought. You know that God has never said this? I just thought of something. He's never had a new thought. He's never said, it just occurred to me. That's stuff men say. That doesn't think differently, and most people. You know what happens is we don't get God's purpose because number one, the source of purpose is honoring the presence. Yeah. So we honor it like this in church. We we just lift our hands a little bit. It's a sign of honor. It's a sign of blessing. Sign of surrender. Not really. That's warfare usually. In in theological terms, we raise our hands because hands have the power to bless. Abraham laid his hands on Isaac. Isaac laid his hands on Jacob. And Israel laid his hands on his 12 sons. You know what he did with his hands? He So in church when we sing, we lift our hands as a sign of God, I honor you. So you lift your hands and go, God, today, I wanna live for you. My life, whatever you made me for. And here's the good news. If you pray that prayer, it doesn't mean that he's gonna say buy a Bible, quit your job and start volunteering at the church. Some of you think that, but the truth is God actually made, he made you with the gifts that he gave you. Like my stepdad, he's the greatest rifle builder. Like probably one of the best rifle builders in the world. He makes these fancy guns for these wealthy guys. They're like pieces of art. I can't tell this story in California. I thought I'd I'd brag about him here. Come on, somebody. But he's an artist, and God made him that way because there's something artistically in his brain that when he does what he does, it actually reflects the image of God. Do you know when a CPA crunches numbers? He reflects the image of God. Do you know that when a photographer takes a beautiful picture, he's reflecting the image of God? When a basketball player dunks on somebody, come on, somebody's reflecting, it's the gifts. Do you know that every one of my, I have two daughters, and, and both of my girls, they have different aspects of me and they have different aspects of Rochelle. Do you know if you have like, like Pastor Chris is working on a football team, right? He's beyond a basketball team. He's got like, he's got a bench and a starting five. <laughs> so like Pastor Chris, you look at his kids, they have, some of them have his eyes, like wavy and, and king. It's like Chris, little boy, Chris, little girl, junior, right? And it's wild that all of us, do you know what your gifts are? Your gifts are the part of you that are the most like God. Yes, that's so Man, Nate Argon's got, he's got my, my entrepreneur mindset. Frank Hernandez has this order and this ability to, to organize children. It's a gift. It's working with children. The only difference between working with like toddlers and kindergartners and a terrorist is you can actually negotiate with terrorists. You can't. It's a gift, Frank. And some of you don't realize that God will give you purpose that's connected to your gifts. But you know what leads to unfulfillment? There's nothing that will make you emptier faster than using your God-given strength on yourself only. That's why most people are depressed is because they use the part of God they're the most like to honor themselves and worship themselves. God made you great in that area to bring glory to God. That's why I say you should always use your gift first in the house of God before you spend it on yourself. If you're a great musician, you have a music career, do it in the house of God. We have two people in our church that, that are on The Voice or been on The Voice. We have a couple other musicians that are like, like world-class, top songwriters, have huge careers, go on tour, but when they're, not, when they're home once a month, twice a month, they're using their gift. Yeah. Is this too strong today? So we know that purpose comes from presence, the presence of God. And number two, most people, they never stepped into their purpose because of pride. Do you know what will disqualify you faster than any other thing to be used by God in a great way? It's pride. I actually believe the main reason why Joseph, it took 13 years to get him ready, is because at 17, he was bragging about how great his dream was. It's interesting that Gabriel would speak to a young teenage mom by the name of Mary, and she would keep everything in her heart but a 17-year-old that got a dream a few thousand years earlier, he actually would brag to everybody about how great his dream was. Two times. You know what I know about pride? Pride always has to be vocalized. Some of you have no idea how arrogant you are because when someone tells a story, you have to tell a better one. You know what that is? It's pride. And I'll tell you what the root of pride is, it's insecurity. Usually the most people that beat their chest the most, that brag the most, that have to show off the most, are actually on the inside, the most insecure little people. The most confident people don't have to tell people how great they are. The Bible says, wise man will let another man praise him not his own lips. We'll go to the next point. You guys don't like that. We'll just keep going. So Joseph, he actually has to iron out the pride inside of him. God? And that's why I love chapter 41, verse 16, when Potiphar goes, I heard you're the man. I heard you interpret dreams. I heard you're super gifted, amazing. I heard you got something for me. And Joseph looks at him and he says, it's not I, but God will give Pharaoh an interpretation to his dream. Joseph was ready for his purpose when he realized that all the grace and power that was entrusted to him was actually by God for the people. We live in a Babylonian system that wants to use people to get money, and the opposite is true in the kingdom of God. We use money to get people. We actually love—we love people, and we don't use them. And here's what's interesting: is he had to work out this pride in his life. And third thing I know about getting to his purpose is it wasn't just pride. Most people they won't step into their purpose because they blame God for the pits in their life. You will get stuck. Some of you will spend 40 years on a 12-day trip. That wouldn't be the first time it happened in history. God had a promised land for 3 million people. It took them 40 years to get there. And the reason why is because of their heart condition that they were actually, their attitude was negative about what God was gonna do with their future. They lusted over the past and said it was better to be a slave in Egypt than to be hungry and live by faith in the wilderness. And some of you are stuck in a desert right now. And I had a burden last night for you. I I couldn't even sleep most of the night. I felt like some of you are stuck in a desert. It feels like you can't get out of the desert. God, I wanna get out of this stupid desert. And the problem is, is you're giving God credit for the desert, not giving God honor that he can get you out of it. You know what pits will do, what crisis will do? Crisis will, will reveal what you really worship and trust in. It's easy to raise your hands when you win the lottery. It's easy to sing to God when everything's going good. What do you do in crisis? He gets thrown into a pit by his own family. Family, stabbed him in the back. And you know what does in the pit? He doesn't curse God. There's no documentation of Joseph ever getting negative in the pit. And then he gets accused of rape by his boss's wife, has done nothing wrong. And the crazy part is, is he had nothing to lose to sleep with this woman. He was already a slave. He would never have his own family. He had no shot of intimacy. He had nothing to lose. He wasn't in, he wasn't in, in, in Israel anymore. He, he, or he, wasn't, he wasn't in this law-keeping setting anymore. He, he could have got away with it, but he literally, even when he could have sinned and he had no reason to honor God, he still chose, you know what I'm gonna do in the pit? I'm gonna honor God. He didn't compromise when he could have. And that's actually what character is. Character is who you are when no one would find out about it. What corners would you cut if no one would find out? That's who you really are. How do you treat people that have nothing to offer you? That's who you really are. What you do in public and who you bless that can help you doesn't reveal your character. So he's, uh, he's in a pit. Can you just give me a few more minutes? He's in a pit and uh, we'll get the keyboard up there We'll wrap this up. He's in a pit and he cries out to God. Pits will make you either curse or cry out. And some of you, if you want to get into your purpose this year, you got to stop giving God credit for what the devil did in your life. The devil lies like a rug. Can I get an amen? And some of you got to make up your mind to stop giving God credit for what he's done in your life. And some of you, it's actually a gift. Sometimes it's the hardest thing in our life that makes us the greatest. It's always funny to me. I was with a really wealthy guy really recently. This guy gives like $24 million a year away to the kingdom of God. And, um, he, he, he lives off a $150,000 salary. He chooses to live off a $150,000 salary when he could be living off of $24 million a year. And um, I was in this setting with him and one of the guys at the table goes, um, <laughs> do your kids ever get mad? <laughs> that they're living kind of an, like a normal life and they could be living like private jets, crazy life. And he said something powerful. He said, um... What I found is the kids that the kids that would do well with the money, if I gave it to them, will do well without it. But the ones that wouldn't do well with money, it would destroy them. And uh, he had this simplicity about it that sometimes we, it's uh, what he said. He says, so many times we say things like this. We say, I wanna protect my kids from what I had to go through. I don't want my kids to go through any hard things that I had to go through. And he says something audacious. He said, why not? I'm not endorsing hardships, but I think there's wisdom in what he was saying. He says, could it be that the struggle that you went through was actually what made you who you are? And when you steal the struggle for your kids, they don't have the opportunity to know what you know. People don't know how to steward pits. And if you can't steward pits, you won't be good at stewarding prosperity. Prosperity does not mean you're gonna have a jet and a Rolls Royce. Maybe if you live in Orange County it does, but not for everybody. What prosperity means is to have the wind of heaven behind you. I'm gonna go a little bit longer, is that all right? I I went really in depth on all these messages. I'm giving like five messages, like just a little flyby. But I love this, that prosperity is actually a test. And I want you to write this down. Nothing will test you more for your purpose than your sexuality and how you steward money. Those are the two reasons that'll get you in trouble in your marriage. It's two reasons that'll screw up your destiny. Nothing's harder to manage than your sexuality and your money. And most people don't realize Joseph, Genesis chapter 39, he is a successful man in, Pot- in Potiphar's house. He does everything with excellence. He's above reproach, above board in his work ethic, and he's also, he's so successful in his work that his boss's wife goes, you're the man. I want you more than I want my husband. But he, listen, what I've learned is usually prosperity, on the on heels of prosperity will come sexual temptation. And if you want to step into your purpose, you got to make sure, like Job, you make a covenant with your eyes. I'm a firm believer. Matthew 6 says, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. You got a purpose in your heart. How do you have a clean life? By guarding your eyes, guarding your ears. We have a church that's in bondage in Babylon because we worship their television shows. Watching Game of Thrones, wondering why you're going back to pornography. Worshiping stuff on TV. I I can't tell you how many shows I've had to break up with. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing that in this house. Made it 30 seconds into one show one time. Had this guy go, dude, this show is so awesome. I watched 30 seconds. I'm like, dude, this guy might not be a Christian. But you know what It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, I'm just looking at it. It's not like I'm doing it. I'm telling you that what you look at long enough, you'll you'll eventually act on. And here's the, little, here's the little truth that most people don't wanna talk about in public is that sexual compromise will impact you, it'll impact your family, and it will impact your kids. The devil is not content with a little. He'll keep on eroding your, con- your convictions until you give all the way in. So my opinion, I think the best thing to do is to go all out war. You are not getting any inch of, of room in my heart today. I'm gonna steward prosperity well. I'm gonna steward my sexuality well. I'm gonna guard my eyes. You know, guard, you know who taught me to guard my eyes? Chris Wilde. I would say out of all the men I've ever known in ministry, Chris Wilde probably has the purest heart. And I mean that. Not because I'm just speaking as church today, he, he loves me. But I grew up with him. He was the one that taught me to not look at girls in bathing suits on Budweiser commercials. It's that beer is garbage anyways. Can I get an amen? Throwing rocks, throw some rocks up here today. (laughs) He's the one that we go to a movie and he goes, This, he's I'm sorry, guys, I gotta go. The movie turned, the PG 13 movie went crazy. He would get up and leave a movie. I had never seen such a thing. You're telling me you're gonna you're gonna waste your $47? You're leaving? He's like, Yeah, I'm not I'm not putting that in my soul. And he wasn't judgy about it. He wasn't like, get up, Mark. We're getting out of this strip bar. <laughs> it wasn't like that. I would just look over during a movie. There's like a, a makeout scene on. You know what you do? You go like this. I'm like, what is this homeschooler, you know? <laughs> Kidding, everyone's homeschooler nowadays. <laughs> but like, what's this guy doing? I'd never seen someone guard their eyes. Well, I'll look, but I'll just eat at home. No, you'll eventually screw your family up. Death and hell are never satisfied. Solomon says sore are the eyes of man, never full. So last, can I give you one more? Maybe? So there's this prosperity that he's tested with. Oh, by the way, if you are in a hurry to get out of here, could watch a sporting event, I would say that you could be spiritually sick. Because when you go to a game and it goes to overtime, you get excited. And if you go to church and it goes long and you get sad, I'll tell you what your problem is, is your spirit is sick. How do you know? Because when you get sick, the first thing that you lose is your your appetite. And I would say that the problem isn't a long church service, the problem is your lack of appetite for God. And if you don't like long church services, you're not gonna like heaven. You're not gonna like it. Sorry. I wanna go to heaven, I just don't wanna spend any time with Jesus while I'm on the earth. Stop it, wake up, you're spiritually dead. Get out of your dead bones, turn to God. The presence of God is where purpose comes from. I have friends that have $30 million houses that are are suicidal with $20 million of cars in their garage because they haven't encountered the presence yet. Working on them, going to some of their houses, praying with them privately They're not quite ready to get to church yet, but I promise you that purpose is only found in the manufacture of life. Most people never get into purpose because of these things I'm talking about. It's the pit, they blame God. They get success and it goes to their head and they start compromising in their sexuality. And if they, if they they don't get stuck there, some people get stuck where Joseph doesn't and it's called the pardon, the pardon test what do you do with people that burned you some of you aren't stepping into your purpose because you've never been willing to forgive the people that hurt you well they're wrong of course they are you don't have to forgive people that are right they're wrong of course of course but what do you do with people that hurt you wounded you you know what's crazy about joseph he was so betrayed not only as a youth But even as dad died, his brothers manufactured a fake death note. And the letter literally wrote, dad commanded, literally put commanded in the the writing. He said that God told him, commanded, that you should be good to us. He was worried that you would punish us when he dies. Dad never said that. Because you know why? Unhealthy people will suspect you of things that they would do. They thought if they were in charge, I would take revenge. Joseph, you know what's crazy about Joseph? I could go all day, man. I've been studying Joseph for a long time. You know what's wild? Joseph never cried in the pit. Never recorded that he cried in Potiphar's house. Never once shed a tear in prison. Never cried during the seven years of prosperity. Didn't cry the day he got promoted to the second in command of the world. It says that Joseph has never recorded crying until he saw his brother's and he embraced them. I actually believe what you cry over reveals what your priorities are. He wept over his brothers because his love was greater than his hate. His ability to forgive was greater than his ability to take revenge. Mark Twain said that forgiveness is the scent of a flower when someone steps on it. That's true forgiveness. It's when something beautiful comes out of us, when something bad has happened to us. I know we've all been burned, everyone. That's why Jesus put it in the prayer, forgive us as we forgive them. Well, I hate them. Well, you can say with your words, I forgive them. Well, I don't mean it. Well, sometimes you have to use your words before your feelings follow. That's fake. No, that's God. God created with His feelings. No, 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 it's His words. God created with His words, let there be, and there was light. So when you don't feel like loving someone, you say, no, I forgive them. And your heart says, no, you don't. You're like, yes, I do. Forgive them all the time, especially at Christmas time. We forgive. And sometimes you have to say it 75 times in one day because the pain is so deep. But the crazy part is if you'll keep using your words to shape your feelings, the next day it's 65 times. And and a week or two goes by and it's 30 times. Pretty soon it's once a month. Eventually it's once a year. Before you know it, when people say, forgive, the person doesn't even pop in your head anymore. I only have one or two people that pop into my head when I say the word unforgiveness. But every time they do, you know what I do? I remind myself, no, we forgave them, Mark. The devil, when he tries to lie to you about something about you, no, you don't forgive him. Devil tries to lie to me about who I am. It's like trying to rob a house I don't live in anymore. It's not where I am anymore, devil. I made up my mind to pardon. What made, listen to me closely, what made Joseph such a trustworthy vessel was not his skills, it was his character. You can find a lot of people in the world with skills, but you can't find a lot of human beings that would forgive at that level. Not a lot of human beings that would love at that level. Not a lot of human beings that would be not vengeful or revengeful at that level. But I believe the reason why promotion comes to those that are humble, that don't blame God for the pits, that aren't getting mad at God for the the things that have happened, that are stewarding their prosperity, that are actually pardoning people. And the last one we'll put it up is actually believe this, that God is looking for men and women that are trustworthy with his power. You know where power comes from? It comes from God. Power. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, once I've heard, twice it's been stated that power comes from the Lord. God will give you power for your purpose but listen to me, power before the presence of God only makes really gifted devils. I don't wanna be gifted and not godly. We have a generation in Babylon that celebrates the giftings, but not the godliness. I would rather be godly and eventually gifted than to be gifted and eventually not be godly. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Stand to your feet. We'll wrap this up. You come back next week, it'll be a, a shorter service, amen? I pray right now for anyone that's in this room. Look at me very, I need everyone just a serious moment to get you out of here. If you feel like you've never lived for God's purpose, I'm not asking if you don't have goals. It's great to have goals, but I promise you can fulfill your goals and still be empty. I'm asking, are you like have you ever invited God to say, God, what did you make me for? And here's the good news, you might already be in your career. Maybe your life does not change, but what does change is who goes with you in your life. Some of you, God's not gonna say, stop being a fireman. No, you're gonna be a fireman, but you're gonna be a fireman with Jesus now. You're not gonna be just putting out natural fires, you're gonna start putting out some soul fires. Start bringing God's water to the workplace. And I just feel like today, you need to invite God in. Some of you, you've never known Jesus, and today's the day you invite God into your life. Others of you, you're in, I love God! But the truth is, you're still stuck, and you're not walking in your purpose because of a pit, that you're cursing God in instead of crying out to God in. Some of you, it's because of your pride. You're trying to be this egotistical, it's all about me. And you don't realize that power is not to the people, power is for the people. And here's the greatest revelation of Joseph's life. Everything great that happened to Joseph was not for Joseph. It was for the people. He said, God sent me here to save many. When you realize that God let you go through, you went through to help people, Corinthians says that we comfort others with the comfort that God gave us. That we help others with the help that God gave us. That we counsel others with the counsel that God gave us. There's something about your testimony that goes, hey, I got, my, my parents got divorced when I was seven. There's something in my story that resonates with other people that went through that pain. I went, this guy went through a divorce. This person lost a child. This person went through a tragedy. There's something about walking with God and purpose that brings love and life to those that are hurting. And I just felt like this year, here's a question. Do we wanna live on accident or do we wanna live on purpose? Joseph lived on purpose and here's the big punchline. When we live on purpose, God will use us to end famines. That's what happens, man. We're in California right now. We're a part of ending a spiritual famine. There's been a famine in Orange County for a long time. And I believe that not just us, there's other churches, but we are one of the churches that is ending the famine in Orange County. Two of the largest water baptisms in American history in California, not Texas, not Tennessee, not Alabama, not Florida, California. Yeah, we're ending a famine. You know why? Because God will give you big opportunities when you allow God to actually prepare you in a great way. Holy Spirit, I wanna live on purpose. Would you close your eyes today? How many be bold enough to say, God, I I don't know if I have ever invited you in to like my vocation. Never really invited you in beyond my Sunday morning attendance. I'm gonna pray for those that aren't living for Jesus. This isn't you. This is for Christians first that go, Mark, I love God, but I don't even know if I'm really living to make a difference for eternity. My eight-year-old, she was praying last night and she started weeping. We were praying for our family and our friends and my eight-year-old started weeping for her cousins. Weeping. She cried for 45 minutes. I went in there, Rochelle was in there with her and she's, she's weeping, she had a revelation of hell. I didn't talk it I didn't talk to her about hell or Sheldon talked to her about hell somehow we're just praying and she says I don't want any of my family I don't want any of my friends to go to hell daddy and she's literally sobbing made me cry and it was almost like I caught a scent of the revelation that she was having and it made me cry too because friends I'm telling you hell is real heaven is real Eternity, is this the preacher trying to manipulate? I'm not manipulating, I'm telling you, I would rather tell you the truth right now and say eternity exists. And contrary to some churches, you don't get to eternity, you don't get to heaven by being a good person. I was gonna be a good person. And my good deeds are gonna outweigh my bad deeds. That is weird new age mysticism. We are not karma-believing people. If I do good, I'll get good. That's not the way it works, we're grace people. We're grace people that gets God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what we are. We're those that don't complete a deed and, and, and earn love. We're those that by faith, by grace through faith, receive the righteous gift that Jesus died to give us. So today, before God, I would say Christians first, I want to live on purpose this year. Would you raise your hands? It's okay to everybody raise you, if you want to raise your hand. Doesn't make you weird, makes you honest. I want to live, not on accident, on purpose. That's just a short prayer. Say, Jesus, my hands are up as a sign that I give you the next year of my life. I pray it be the start of a life well lived made a difference for eternity. Lord, I wanna live for your purpose. Make me the answer to somebody else's prayer. Let someone be in heaven one day because of the way I live my life, on purpose. In Jesus' name. Feel faith in this room, want oh, say a good amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.